they came to the crowd, a man came up to him and kneeling before him said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he has seizures and suffers terribly, for often he falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, and they could not heal him. And Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the boy was healed instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? He said to them, Because of your little faith. For truly, I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. We come to you this morning, Father, asking that you would help us to understand your word. Holy Spirit, this is what Jesus says that you've come to do, to help us to understand his words. And so would you help us this morning to understand his words? And not just understand them, but believe them. And not just believe them, but then do them. Amen. In your walk with Christ, have you ever experienced success only for it to backfire followed by failure? And afterwards, you're left feeling confused, disappointed, frustrated, angry. That expression enters into your mind as you stare blankly One step forward, two steps back. I'm just always coming up short. I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to make progress, but I'm just never getting there. You know what? Maybe that's true at times. But what if what's really happening is that you're taking two steps forward and one step back. Yes, you failed, but you see the picture clearer now than you did before. You don't see, you don't see the whole picture yet, but you see it more fully than you did before. Lately, this is how Matthew has been presenting the disciples. In a way that you probably can relate to. Two steps forward, one step back. Peter confesses Jesus as Christ. Two steps forward. But then he is rebuked by Jesus for telling Jesus that he wouldn't suffer. One step back. Peter, John, and James have this mountaintop encounter with Jesus. Two steps forward. Then the other nine disciples, as we'll see this morning, 
failed at being able to cast out a demon. One step back. Two steps forward, one step back. And Matthew is trying to show us that the twelve disciples are learning something important. It's actually something that all true disciples learn. That is, your faith should be dependent on Jesus, not yourself. Your faith should be dependent on Jesus, not yourself. And this morning we will see why this is as our passage unfolds in three ways. First, we'll see a failed attempt. And then we'll see that Jesus is becoming weary of unbelief. And then lastly, we'll see that a little faith goes a long way. So we see that immediately after the transfiguration where Peter... John and James see the glory of Jesus, Matthew, for some reason, wants to highlight the disciples' failed attempt to cast out a demon. The start of our passage reads, And and when they came to the crowd, a man came up to him, and kneeling before him, said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he has seizures and he suffers terribly. For often he falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, and they could not heal him. Before looking at the disciples' failed attempt, I want you to first notice the compassion of Jesus. That he came down the mountain. This is an act of his compassion. Peter was ready to pack it in. Peter was ready to say, let's stay on this mountaintop and enjoy the peace and bliss and let the weary world continue to just sink. And yet, Jesus knew his mission was not over. He knew what he had to do. He had to come down the mountain. Maybe right now, as you look at the news, As the holidays approach and you're conflicted because your family is bickering and arguing, as you see one bad thing happen after another, you are thinking, Jesus has packed it in. He's not coming back. There's no hope for this place. Why would he bother coming back? That's a lie. Jesus knows his mission. Just as he descended the mountain, he will descend again. And when he does, he is going to take all of his beat-up brothers and sisters home with him. That's the compassion of our Savior. And as Jesus, Peter, John, and James, they descend the mountain, they approach the crowd where the other nine disciples were, and as they approach the crowd where the other nine disciples are, we see and are introduced to a a determined and worried and scared father. He makes a beeline towards Jesus. He wants Jesus to have mercy on his son. 
Parents, take notice of this man. His earnestness to take his child's needs to Jesus. Whether your child is an infant or whether your child has children of their own, go to Jesus on behalf of your child. If they can't or they won't take their needs to Jesus, you do it for them. It's a blessing for any child to have a parent who can take their needs to Jesus. So take your child's needs to Jesus at once. Don't delay. This is what the father does. The father's son is demon-possessed. And what this demon is causing him to have is seizures, and this demon is causing him to suffer in other awful ways. The demon even attempts to kill this child. He attempts to burn this child alive, to drown this child in water. Now, it is painful to watch your child suffer. So imagine the hope this man felt as the nine disciples came to his block. As the disciples had been given authority to cast out demons and to heal sick people. Imagine the hope and giddiness this man felt as he tells his wife, the disciples of Jesus are coming. They're healing and casting out demons. Our son can finally be healed and live a a life of normality. Now imagine how crushed he was. How devastated this father was as the disciples were able to heal everyone in sight except his son. as each disciple stepped up and took their turn at healing the son, as each disciple failed and as each disciple said, no, 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 you're doing it wrong. You were supposed to say this after this. Or no, 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 you you weren't laying your hands on him in the correct way. (coughs) Imagine the disappointment of this father. Imagine the fear the worry, the anger, the disappointment. There is no other way to say what's happening in our passage other than the disciples failed. They did. And I'm sure somewhere along the way in your Christian walk, you have failed too. tried and tried and the outcome wasn't what you expected it would be. You were optimistic about what would happen. You were hopeful about the future. You found a new method to overcome that addiction. You found a new diet to help you lose weight. You taught or you thought through a new strategy to evangelize. You tried every way you knew 
but the result didn't end in success. Like the disciples, it ended in a failed attempt. Christian, dare to be humble enough to admit when you failed. The fathers, uh, the father put Jesus' disciples on blast. And he aired out their failed attempt. He, he said, I want to speak to the manager. you see next in the passage, isn't Jesus just responding directly to the disciples? Jesus is responding to the crowd. Jesus is becoming weary of the people's unbelief. The next part of our text reads, and Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the boy was healed instantly. Jesus rebukes the crowd for their faithlessness, for their unbelief, for their lack of trust. The disciples, the scribes, the the people watching and waiting to see what Jesus was going to do. Jesus here is becoming weary of their unbelief. They want Jesus to entertain them like a traveling circus. Rather than bowing down and worshiping Jesus, they simply want Jesus just to entertain them. What we are seeing right here, right now, is that nobody is taking Jesus serious. And he's becoming exasperated about it. It's causing him to become weary. This is why he asks two how long questions. These are to, to emphasize that at some point he will not be with them any longer. And that their persistent unbelief will be judged. notice how in the 21st century people still just want to be entertained by Jesus? Is this you? Do you want to just be entertained by Jesus when it's convenient for you and your needs? You want to be entertained by Jesus, but you don't want to submit to his lordship? taking Jesus serious. The truth is that if you persist in your unbelief, you will be judged guilty and justly sent to hell. Jesus wants your trust. Jesus wants your faith in all aspects and areas of your life. He wants you to shout out amongst everybody you know, I want the whole Christ for my whole life. 
today, right now, at this very moment, start taking Jesus serious. You will be met with mercy. Jesus will have mercy on you. We see that he has mercy on this boy. He rebukes the demon, and immediately the boy is healed. From that point on, the boy's life has changed. He is completely and fully healed in this moment. Instantly. Immediately. You see how great the power of God's mercy is? Right here in this passage shows us how powerful it is. This passage shows us why the demons believe and even shudder at the power of God's mercy. Church, this one sentence should make your hearts leap with joy. Jesus is more powerful than anything Satan could ever throw at him. And so I wonder if you realize that this points to the power of God's mercy to forgive sinners. Not just cast out demons, but to forgive sins. Look, there is more mercy in God than sin in you. And when you trust in Christ as your Savior, you are healed from the poison of sin immediately, instantaneously. God is in the business of healing sick people. He has come for the sick, not the healthy. And your heart is the sickest. It needs to be healed before it's too late. And trusting in Him, in Jesus, in His life and works is the remedy for healing. That doesn't mean that you won't fail and fall on your face. It doesn't mean that you won't fail and fall into sin. But what it does mean is that when you trust in Christ, His righteousness covers you and brings peace between you and God. This is the power of God's mercy. And there is no heart too sick that he cannot heal. But the reality of this passage, the truth of this passage is that Jesus is getting weary of their unbelief. Because they are trusting in the wrong things. And so Jesus fills his disciples in on what went wrong as the disciples ask him. He shares with them that mustard seed size faith goes a long way, that a little faith goes a long way. bit of our passage says, Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? He said to them, Because of your little faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. The nine disciples wanted to know what went wrong. They failed. 
They understood that. They saw that. They've been healing people with sicknesses and casting out demons. And for whatever reason, they couldn't with this one. So what was the problem here? Well, before moving on, I want you to notice something about the disciples. The disciples humbled themselves. And they asked for answers. What a great quality. The disciples are teachable and they want to learn from Jesus. Are you able to say the same? Are you teachable? Do you go before the Lord and ask Him to correct you? Ask Him what is going wrong. If you are a Christian, you should be teachable. You should be humble enough to ask for correction when you notice you are not bearing fruit. Church, it brings me great joy as your pastor to help you live your fullest as one of Jesus' disciples. I long to help you, to shepherd you, to point you to Jesus. Are you teachable enough to ask for help? To ask what's going on? You see, Jesus answers the disciples' question with what the problem was, what the solution is, and what the outcome will be. First, he tells them that the problem is that the disciples had, had little faith, or, or more precisely, they just had poor faith. They had unbelief in their hearts. Simply put, the disciples put their trust in a method. They put their trust in a system. They put their trust in the exactness of a prayer. What the disciples started doing is they, start, they started depending on themselves, the source, rather than the power that the source receives. They started thinking that if they just said the right things or did some type of ritual the right way that they did the other 15 people that they healed before this person, that this demon-possessed boy would be healed. The problem was that they trusted in themselves. They were putting faith in their own methods. They were putting faith in their own structures. And so, second, Jesus tells them the solution is to have faith the size of a mustard seed. This is small, dependent faith in God. Small, dependent faith in God, which is far stronger and far richer than any man, man-made system or structure. That's because small, dependent faith in God is placed in a perfect being. Whereas little, self-dependent faith in yourself is putting your faith in a very sinful, not dependable being. 
so Jesus tells them the solution. Just the size of a mustard seed is all that's required. Third, the outcome, Jesus says, is that this small faith can move mountains. What Jesus desperately wants his disciples to understand is that small, dependent faith in him will get them through life's greatest obstacles and challenges. This is the faith you need. This is the faith I need. Not faith in myself. Not faith in yourself. Your faith should be dependent on Jesus, not yourself. And you should know that mustard seed-sized faith, this little faith, goes a long way in the kingdom of God. Dependent faith. Dependent faith in God. Dependent faith in God looks like taking God at His word. Just like you would when a person tells you, I will meet you for lunch at Culver's. You go there, trusting that they will show up, taking them at their word. This is what it looks like to depend upon God and His word. It's so important that you and I learn this faith. It's so important that we learn what this faith is because oftentimes the world mistakes faith for a hopeful optimism in the future. This hopeful optimism that something will get better. Not knowing if it will, but just kind of on a, a wish and a prayer. Is this how you treat faith? Do you treat faith as hopeful optimism in the future? This is not what faith is. Faith is not hopeful optimism in future events. Faith is an assurance and a trust that what God says will happen. And this is good news for you and I. Because in a world that says you just need to put a little bit more faith in yourself. You just need to put a little bit more faith in a broken system. You just need to put a little bit more faith here. You just need to have faith in this area. We know the sinful hearts of ourselves and people. So how refreshing is it that a perfect, loving and righteous God says, No, don't put your faith in yourself. You'll train wreck your life. Put your faith in me. Because I'm dependable. I've always been dependable. And I'll always be dependable. That takes the burden off of you and I. That allows us to exhale and enjoy life a little bit more. That allows us to trust God with our finances, with our kids, with life's hardest situations. You don't need to have faith in yourself. You shouldn't have faith in yourself. Your methods, your systems, church, all you need 
a little faith in a very big God. Let's pray. thank you for this morning and for your word which corrects us. It teaches us. It helps us to live lives more fully as your children. And so please change us. Help us to be teachable. To not just take in this information to actually do this information. That what Jesus says would change our hearts. That we would recognize our failure, seek you with answers, and to have faith the size of a mustard seed. In all we do, in all we say, Amen.